Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. It's very important that Joseph didn't look at Judah stepping out of the group and come say to Joseph, well, you got a lot of chutzpah, you know, get back in the group. What are you doing? How dare you step out and get close to me? Back off. And he didn't put a hand in his chest. And that's not what happened. Joseph did not do that. He did not push Judah back. But Joseph turned an ear, a welcoming ear to Judah when he came near to Joseph. Now, that's exactly the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he does for every person, whether they're lost or saved, who, like Judah, in verse 18, comes near to the Lord Jesus for help, as he said in John 6.37, John 6.37, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. What is he saying? No pushback from the Lord Jesus Christ to the person who draws near. Okay, now, Judah has now come near to Joseph, and now he speaks to Joseph, and what we see here in what Judah says is very significant. He says, oh, my Lord, let thy servant. So his first words are, oh, it's not oi, <laughs> it's oh. <laughs> oi is for a different set of servants, although he could have said oi, but no, this time he's just saying oh. Oh, and with that oh, he is casting himself on Joseph in a state of desperation and complete affliction of his soul. His soul is really afflicted. It's like the day of Yom Kippur, the soul affliction. And Joseph hears Judah call him my Lord. Judah calls Joseph my Lord. And Judah then calls himself thy servant. And notice in verse 19 how Judah again calls Joseph my Lord and how Judah calls himself and his brothers in verse 19, servants, his servants. And so you notice in verse 20 how Judah again calls Joseph, my Lord. And in verse 21, Judah again calls himself and his brothers, thy servants. And notice in verse 23 how Judah again calls himself and his brothers, thy servants. And in verse 24, he calls his father now, Jacob, thy servant, my father. And again, in verse 27, Judah calls his father, thy servant, my father. And again, in verse 30, he calls his servant, he calls his father, thy servant, my father. And again, in verse 31, Judah calls himself and his brothers, thy servant, he calls his father. Again, in verse 31, thy servant, our father. And again, in verse 32 and verse 33, Judah calls himself thy servant. So that's a lot of references. That's a lot of emphasis to all coming down to 
to, to them being servants to the governor, servants to Joseph. And we can see in those verses how Judah is really driving this point very strongly that they are the servants of Joseph. Judah is really driving this respect that they have, that all, that they're all giving to Joseph as their Lord and, and, and themselves as his servants. It's an extreme emphasis here. This is emphasis to the extreme of this respect and calling Joseph Lord and calling themselves his servants. And when you look at this, it's really a prophecy. It's a prophecy that's looking forward to the day when the descendants of these men, the descendants of these brothers, the Jewish people, will put them, will put, will put an extreme emphasis on respecting the Lord Jesus Christ as God and calling themselves servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, like Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 45, 23. Isaiah 45, 23, where God says, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. And also it's stated again in Philippians 2.10, Philippians 2.10, almost the exact words, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That day is coming. That day is coming. And what we see Judah doing here. For on behalf of the brothers in this chapter, this chapter for Genesis 44, is indicating what it will be for the Jewish people who will then lead the world in bowing the knee to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ as God, and confessing that he is God. That's why it's so significant for us to see all these references to Joseph as Lord and to the brothers and the whole family as servants to Joseph because Joseph is representing in this the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we see what Judah asked Joseph to do in verse 18. Let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear. So Judah now is asking Joseph, he could just speak a little word in his ear. It reminds me this last uh, Monday, Labor Day, when all my family, we were together, I and my three boys, we were all sitting around the breakfast table like old times, talking about hilarious stories about when we went sailing. <laughs> and there are many stories. I'm not going to tell you those stories now. Anyway, so, and David's daughter, my granddaughter, four-year-old daughter, Kate, she came up and she wanted to ask David something that she didn't want us to hear. So she looked at all of us with a frown on her face, like, what are you doing there, you know? And she comes in, she says, Daddy, she says, I want to tell you something in your ear. <laughs> she said, in your ear. And so then David bent over and she told him, you know, <laughs> in his ear, which I don't know what it was. <laughs> That's a picture of Judah here when he says in verse 18, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear. He's over there. Now, I don't know if the brothers heard what Judah said to Joseph, just like I don't know what Kate said in David's ear, but maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But if they didn't hear what Judah said, that didn't stop God who made the mouth and made the ear from capturing for us every word of what was said. So that's why we have all this in this chapter, what Judah said to Joseph. All right, so the first thing that Judah said to Joseph was in verse 18, let not thine anger burn against thy servant. 
So Judah's asking Joseph right off the bat, don't get mad. <laughs> don't get angry. And he does this in a way where he's emphasizing, as we've seen, this dedication of himself as a servant to Joseph. And so therefore he's asking Joseph, don't get mad. Now, the premise for Judah to ask Joseph to not get angry is that Judah is a dedicated servant to Joseph. This is the first acknowledgement of Judah that he is a servant of Joseph's. And then Judah makes a second acknowledgement to Joseph in verse 18 when he says, thou art even as Pharaoh. He said, thou art even as Pharaoh. Now, Judah here is making it very clear that even though Joseph was not Pharaoh, Judah was saying, thou art as Pharaoh. When Judah uses the word as, he's using a Hebrew word, kamo, and it means you are exactly equal to, you are the same as. So when Judah says in verse 18, thou art even as Pharaoh, he's saying, you and Pharaoh are one. You and Pharaoh are echad, you're one. And this is just like the Lord Jesus Christ when he said in John 10.30, John 10.30, I and my Father are one. We are achad, we are one. When Judah said in verse 18, thou art even as Pharaoh, Judah was saying that in essence, you are the same. And what Judah's really saying here, he's really saying what the Shema is saying in Deuteronomy 6.4. The Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4, which is hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, which is stated, Shema Yisrael. Now the Jews say, I don't know, but that's not what it says. It says, Shema Yisrael, Yehovah Eloheinu, Yehovah Echad. So it's literally saying, Shema here, O Israel. And again, that's not Oi Israel, that's O Israel. He says, here, O Israel, Yehovah is our gods. And Yehovah is one as a composite unity. Now, why do I say gods? Because the word Eloheinu is the possessive form of Elohim. And Elohim is a plural word. So Elohim means gods. It refers to the Trinity. So the Shema is saying that every person in the Trinity are as each other, which is what Judah is saying here about you are as Pharaoh. He's saying that every person in the Trinity, that's God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son, are all one in purpose, in character, in will, etc. But they are three different persons. And that's what Judah is saying. I know that Pharaoh and you are not the same persons, but you are one. You are the same as Pharaoh. So just as Pharaoh and Joseph were different persons. But what Judah was saying here is that you were both echad, you're both one, as one as in the sense that you're on the same page in every respect. Now, so in verse 18, when Judah says to Joseph, thou art even as Pharaoh, Judah was saying that Joseph, you have all the power that Pharaoh had in Egypt. Just as the Lord Jesus said, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28:18, Matthew 28:18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And in verse 18, when Judah said to Joseph, Thou art even as Pharaoh, Judah was saying that Pharaoh had given to Joseph all this judgment power in Egypt. There was no appeal beyond, beyond the governor, beyond the governor Joseph's word. Just as the Lord Jesus was given all the judgment of all men, as he said in John 5.22, John 5.22, the Father judgeth no man, 
but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And then he repeated that same concept in John 5.27, John 5.27, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. And Paul restates this in Romans 2.16, Romans 2.16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. So in verse 18, it's very important when Judah says to Joseph, thou art even as Pharaoh, because he's saying that when Joseph makes a judgment of man, that's final. There is no appeal. And that's what the Lord Jesus said was going to happen in Matthew 25, 31. Matthew 25, 31, he says, the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So verse 18 is very important when Judah says, thou art even as Pharaoh, because Judah is saying to Joseph that he had all the power in Egypt, just as the Lord Jesus has all the power. And when he says this, then he's acknowledging he and Pharaoh are one. Now in verse 19, Judah starts by picking up with Joseph's question about whether they had a father or a brother. That's what we read in verse 19. My Lord asked his servants, saying, have you a father or a brother? So this is how he's starting out his speech to Joseph, Judas, in a way that's really very charming. And, I mean, you're just attracted by what Judah is saying here. I mean, because it's like a childlike simplicity, you know, very plain, very transparent, no professional sophistication here, you know, nothing artificial, but it's very persuasive. So he starts out, Like I said, he goes back to the time when the governor, when Joseph, asked about their father and their brother. Now, that seems very good. Start from there. There's only one trouble. It's not true. (laughs) Apart from truth, it's great. It's not true. Because Judah is saying here that Joseph had asked about their father and their brother, and that's just simply not true. That's not what happened. Joseph never did ask about their father. What happened... In Genesis 42.7, Genesis 42.7, it says, Joseph saw his brethren, he knew them, but made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. And he said, whence came you? That was his question. Where'd you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren. They knew him not. Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, said unto them, you are spies. To see the nakedness of the land are you come. They said unto him, no, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's son. We are true men, thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land are you come. They said, No, thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man. See, they volunteered this up in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. He never asked them that. They volunteered it up. Joseph did not ask about their father and their brother. The brothers just volunteered up this information. And when the brothers reported back to their father what happened, they changed the reality. They changed the truth because 
in Genesis 43.6, Genesis 43.6, where it says, their father Israel said, wherefore dealt you so ill with me? So as to tell the man whether he had a brother. And they said, the man asked us straightly of our state and of our kindred saying, is your father yet alive? That wasn't true. <laughs> well, that's not the first thing they ever did that wasn't true. Have you another brother? That wasn't true. And we told him according to the tenor of his words. Could we certainly know that he would say, bring your brother down? They're very loose with the truth. But what happened is that Joseph accused them of being spies. And the brothers then, because they were so nervous, they blurted this information out that they had one father, sons of one father, one brother was at home, another one was not. And then they get home and their father accuses them. You volunteered up that information. Oh, no, we didn't. No, no, not at all. He asked us directly. (laughs) It wasn't true. It was a lie. Well, you know, okay, so that was another lie to the father. So they had told that lie so many times that now it looks like they actually believe it. They actually believe it. It's just like they had told the lie about Joseph that he was killed by the wild beast so many times that they actually believe that lie too. I mean, if you put them a lie detector test, they'll pass. And that's what happens with lies. That's what happens with lies. People tell lies enough time, they actually do believe the lie. And so they've come to believe that the governor did ask them about their father and brother. He, but Judah probably would have said, you remember when you asked that, don't you? <laughs> and that's what we see Judah doing here in verse 19. Judah's saying to the governor, you remember when you asked me, don't you, that I had a father and a brother. The reality is the governor never asked about the brothers if they had a, one father and so forth. Now, this is not a great start for Judah, <laughs> but it works for him, so he's, he's, he's running with it. And, and it's interesting that Joseph doesn't interrupt Judah with, I never asked you if you had a father or a brother, but he, he doesn't do that because he just wants to see where's Judah going with all this. So he lets Judah spin on, Judah, spin on. And where Judah is going with this spin is to describe to Joseph their father and their other brothers. And this is very interesting for Joseph. So Joseph is, uh, you know, he's, he's all ears. And he's listening very carefully to how Judah now describes the family. Now, first Judah describes her father. And he says in verse 20, verse 20, we have a father, an old man. So he describes him. Now, that description, he's starting right off the bat by showing Jacob here with really a genuine affection. Judah is showing here a genuine affection for his father, for Jacob. This is different from the past. It's different in the past. You know, the brothers, they didn't care how much they hurt their father by getting rid of the son that he loved the most. They didn't care how much they hurt their father when they tore and made that coat all bloody, the coat of many colors that their father had meticulously made for Joseph. In the past, Reuben didn't care about his father when he raped one of his father's wives. And then in the past, Simeon and Levi, they didn't care about their father when they stood him to his face and justified murdering a whole city of Shechem because one man forced their sister. But now Joseph is seeing something different. He's seeing Judah now speak for the brothers totally different because now Judah is speaking with a lot of care, a lot of tenderness for their father, Jacob. And this means a lot to Joseph. This is very significant, as again, 
he's observing how his brothers have really changed. They're repented. They've changed now in how they treat their father because they're speaking him of him tenderly as an old man. And now Judah is going to now go on to speak about this tender love also that he is very sensitive to between their father Jacob and how he had this tender love for the two sons of Rachel. So here Judah really is making their father Jacob come to life before the governor. And he's so skillful here because Judah, what Judah's doing here is like he's a painter. He's painting this picture very skillfully for the governor to see about their father. And the first picture that Judah paints of Jacob is of a poor old man in verse 20. And then he paints this picture of Benjamin with Jacob. And Judah calls Benjamin, you know, in verse 20, a child of his old age, a little one. So Judah's painting a picture here of Benjamin of just being a little one. I wonder what Benjamin was doing at that time. He probably was shrinking down, trying to look as little as he could. And Judah now adopts this new word, which in the English here we see it translated as lad, but in the Hebrew it's the word na'ar, which means, that's a word you use for a child, from infancy before adolescence. And notice how Judah is continually referring to Benjamin as a lad in verse 22. He said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father. In verse 30, now therefore when I come to thy servant my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's face. Verse 31, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, he will die. And then in verse 32, for thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father. Verse 33, now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman. And last in the verse, verse 34, how shall I go to my father and the lad be not with us? So he's really He's really driving this. He's emphasizing this. He's building this image here of the little boy, you know, a sweet little innocent child that's naive. He's not acquainted with the hard, cruel world like the other brothers are because, unlike the other brothers, this little boy has been sheltered. He's been coddled by his poor old father, I mean, he's very good at this, you know, we're almost crying when we read this, you know, I don't recognize anybody. But anyway, Judah is building in the governor's mind this picture of this poor old man with nothing left in life but this child of his old age, which is just a little boy. This is the same picture that Nathan painted for David when he was telling David what he did to Uriah when he took Uriah's wife. And so David says, in 2 Samuel 12, 3, 2 Samuel 12, 3, Nathan says, in 2 Samuel 12, 3, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. That's the same thing that Judah is doing here. He's painting this picture of his father for the governor. He's saying their father had 12 sons, but really there's only one son that he loved more than the others, and that was the one that got killed. And then the next fell to the next one, Benjamin. So it's Benjamin, and the governor is proposing to make him a slave. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God Radio Bible Teacher Tom Cantor at the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for a free Creation Museum admission and amazing weekly food fellowship. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor's Sunday evening messages on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, and classes for children ages 5 to 12. So join the fellowship, the Friendship with God Fellowship, every Sunday evening at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum next to Highway 67 in Santee, California, near the Santee Drive-In. For more information, call us at 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.